Hello, everybody. You're listening to episode 39 of the Big Chill Podcast. Klopp's critique and Cavani's comments. Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. I hope you all enjoyed our recent interview episode with Thomas Gronemark the throw-in specialist for several teams, including Liverpool. And I think that's probably a great segue to lead into our first topic. And I'll let Eddie and Sam kind of take over on uh, on some Premier League gossip. I mean, I'm not sure it's gossip. It, it was... <laughs> <laughs> it was uh... It was uh, his post. I mean, the the issue, not issue, but the sort of talking point from this weekend's football in the Premier League, I suppose, was more uh, Jurgen Klopp's post-match interview after the the draw with Brighton, um, which started with him refusing to say that he didn't think that the Brighton penalty may not have been a penalty because he didn't want to give a talking point that the media would use to just sort of drive up uh, more controversy. And then he also uh, started blaming uh, BT Sport. (laughs) Yeah, and almost the interviewer himself for the fact that they had a congested fixture list. In particular, just the same issue that we've discussed on previous episodes that Olegon Solskjaer had an issue with, which was the idea of playing a Wednesday European match and then following it up with the midday kickoff on the Saturday. And he was blaming uh, broadcasters for the fact that they cho- they choose the matches and that they were forcing some of the big teams, well, the seven teams who play European football, to potentially uh, put their tire their players out more and run the risk of of, of, of injuries as a result of the the back to back matches. Yeah, you're right. It's not so much gossip; it's just petty complaining. <laughs> I mean, it's not petty because he's got a point. Right. But the problem is, is the way he's gone about arguing that point just doesn't come across well. Like no one. So I guess for everyone, like fundamentally, he just screamed at BT Sport, also blamed Sky when they're they're basically saying, like, we're nothing to do with this. It's the Premier League that you want to like peddle this issue at. It just made no sense because the point he's got is that it is too short a turnaround between European competition and domestic, especially the daytime, you know, the early kickoff on Saturday. So he's got a point. It's completely valid. And also Milner was injured in the game. So it really didn't, it, if anything, it kind of it's brought his point more to the forefront that Liverpool probably aren't going to end this season at the moment, the way it's going. But he just weirdly targeted commentators. Like the Kelly guy um, was, he basically half sarcastically clapped at him and said congratulations yeah so his quote his quote is you referring to bt sport my special friends ask us to go on at saturday at 12 30 p.m which is nearly a crime to be honest it's nothing to do with the game tonight but congratulations for that (laughs) that is the part to me that seems pretty petty that he's going after the bt sport people (laughs) the issue i have with it which is what the interviewer at the time said was that he should be more critical fundamentally of the own his own executives who have agreed to these tv deals and have agree, agreed to the tv schedule um so that that's kind of the issue i have is that the first place he needs to start if he's going to take issue with 
the matches being played on a Wednesday and a Saturday is sort of in-house and making it clear to the owners and the executives that, hey, next time we come around to agreeing to a television schedule and a TV deal, maybe we need to include in there that if you play European football, you can't play the lunchtime kickoff on a Saturday. Or in the very least, if you play the Wednesday or the Thursday, you can't do that. I mean, it never happens to a team on the Thursday that automatically pushes them to the Sunday. But for the team on the Wednesday, I mean... Hey, well, it worked worked for them today. A one nothing win. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, and and he he also got into a weird sort of semi spat with Chris Wilder, who he's been having issues with the Sheffield United manager because they've been trying to push through the five substitutes, moving back to the five substitutes rule, which they had over the summer at post um, restart, and. Chris Wilder has basically said that it would be advantageous for the big clubs because they would be able to make more technical substitutions and they have bigger squads. So they'll be able to take advantage of the extra substitutes. Whereas for the smaller clubs, it doesn't help them out. And um, Jurgen Klopp is insistent on the fact that there's nothing tactical about it. It's just about saving his players and preventing injuries, which you could argue is tactical because then you have fresher players for a following match. And um and that also, as Sheffield United only have one point through their <laughs> sort of first set of fixtures, that fundamentally maybe Chris Wilder should be on board with it as well because it basically couldn't hurt. Yeah, but my my I guess my question for that for you guys then is, I understand where they're coming from because yeah, the top the top level teams are going to have you know better players on the bench, but they have a better starting eleven anyway. So like when you compare the starting 11s of the clubs, they're better. And then, so their substitutes are also better. So I don't understand how it makes it that much. It doesn't compound the problem. It's just you're furthering, I think, the differences the teams already have, right? I, I mean, I, I don't see that being like an exponential difference when you already have a better starting starting group on the field to begin with. I think you could spin it any way you want. I think whichever side of the coin you want to fall on, you could spin the argument to support it. So you could say that the, for the bigger clubs, having the more substitutes allows them to maybe shift in tactics and to bring on you know, talented players off the bench, more talented players who will be fresher and fitter. It also means that over the course of the season, their key players who are much better than the sort of the drop-off from maybe uh, you know, Sadio Mane to Divock Origi, is significant enough that if you're Sheffield United, you hope that Sadio Mane is too tired to play in the match that they play against Sheffield United, and you want Divock Origi on the pitch starting instead. And if you allow them to have five substitutes constantly, Liverpool they basically be able to have their best eleven for the you know sixty minutes, sixty-five minutes of every match. So I think there's that approach. The other one could be that a big difference between the good teams and the bad teams often is strength and depth, and so whilst the extra substitutes might not help Sheffield United or whoever it is, Fulham, change the match that they're in if it means that their best 11, 12, 13 players are involved in all of their, all 38 of their matches, then it gives them a better chance of staying up. So I think you can just spin it either way. When you look at the number of injuries that seem to be occurring, it seems to make sense to have more substitutes available. And when you factor in they had no preseason and all these kinds of things, it makes sense to me, but... I can see why someone would be against it. I can see why someone would be for it. 
I mean, is it just unlucky as well? I mean, Man you finished the season equally late, similar element of European competition. I appreciate they, they have kind of some less stuff, but they don't seem to be suffering that much from injuries. Well, it's... <laughs> You don't suffer. I mean, you don't suffer from injuries when your team performs so badly that you change the starting eleven every match in a desperate attempt to kind of kickstart your season. You know, Solskjaer effectively rotates his squad as as much as anyone else, not out of some kind of managing their tiredness, but simply because they can't put two good performances together. Um, so maybe a little bit different for them. It's becoming pretty special, the Man U situation. I guess we maybe move on to that one. And I guess the, the, the topic from there was Cavani's tweet. But the thing with Man U, right, is <laughs> you're right. I, I don't think I've ever seen them play well twice in a row. And they just seem to have this incredible ability where, let's be honest, they probably could have, should have lost to West Brom. A few weeks before, they beat PSG. And it, it's... It's incredible. I mean, I, I don't actually understand it. Truth be told, I'd prefer that situation than the one at Arsenal at the moment because at least they're winning some games. Really? <laughs> well, <sighs> to me, the actually, is, wait. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to rescind that quickly, actually. When I compare the United and Arsenal situations, the thing for me is I'm not sold. I think everyone about a month ago, fundamentally after Arsenal beat United, were singing the praises of Arteta and kind of treating it as if he was masterminding this incredibly quick rebuild and that he, everything had almost been fixed at Arsenal. And the reality is they don't, the players they have just aren't good enough. That, that's simple, right? Like he doesn't have a squad available to him that is top four caliber. And he would be manager of the season if he gets Arsenal to finish in the top four. And when you factor that in, it's difficult to judge because fundamentally they're still being held to the standards of the Wenger glory years. You know, Arsenal supporters in their minds think of themselves as title challengers and the very least as a top four club. And so are disappointed when it's just the reality is at the moment they're sort of in the range of Europa League qualif qualification. Now, the difference is at United, I think they have incredibly talented players in in certain positions they are all almost all underperforming they have no real the, every every transfer window they go out and spend tons of money it doesn't seem to change anything and so what i don't know if you're a united supporter or if you're an executive or if you're Solskjaer, i don't know what you go out and buy i don't know what you who you sell in the squad and i don't know what you change to fix things i really don't you could tell me that they need a goal scorer and Cavani seems to have maybe helped out a little bit by giving them a real center forward. So maybe, yes, in a dream world, if they could go out and sign sort of Holland, it would be great for them. But then they still can't defend and their midfield is mediocre. With maybe the, at best. Yeah, they've got Fernandez, who's kind of the only bright spot in their midfield almost. And even he kind of, you know... Some matches he's amazing and some matches he's just a kind of passenger. So it's difficult to judge. Well, similar to Pogba in that respect. Because I think it was the know. first half of the, maybe first half of the West Brom game. I, I think Fernandez gave the ball in midfield sloppily like four or five times. And most people would get subbed off with the kind of performance that he put in. And 
yeah, there he is, almost like linchpinning this team. He's basically carrying them forward. And okay, I, I'll probably retract the point. I think the thing with Manu is there's a fundamental toxicity surrounding it as well. There is just no idea what's going on. You you feel like Solskjaer is four bad games away from being sacked. You have no idea when people like Pogba will turn up, if Maguire will ever turn up again. You fully expect De Gea to make a mistake at some point. You're not sure about when people like Rashford or Greenwood, who usually perform, you're not sure when they will. It, At least with Arsenal, there's a... They've got problems, but you do feel like they've started early and will stick with what they've got. And getting rid of Urza when people like that is a good place to start, but... I, they didn't need Cavani. I think that's my problem. I don't well, think they needed him. They needed a real goal scorer. I wouldn't personally have gone out and got Cavani. He's not a long-term solution, and they have lots of young players, and now you're, are you looking for the sort of short-term stopgap who will help you maybe to win a few extra matches, but in, it comes at the expense of developing some of the younger players. So I don't know if... I, Cavani wouldn't have been what I would have gone for. That being said, it was obvious that the combination of sort of Martial, Rashford, you know, Greenwood, sort of whichever combination they were playing up front, it just lacked a true goal scorer. And so at least Cavani might give them that. I mean, they wouldn't have beaten Southampton without Cavani. Now yeah. we'll have to see because he's going to get suspended. We'll have to see how they do without him because he yeah. tweet, yeah. well, made an Instagram post that was racially sensitive shall we say but he but reposted an instagram post he reposted someone congratulating him on scoring the winner and right. on it he said like uh thank you uh and well, what do you think racial word and and racial word thank you insert racial word which he has claimed is just a word for black in and is used in a um, sort of friendly way in South American Spanish, which may be true. I don't. I'm not going to say I know how commonly that's used, or if there's a history behind it. That even if some people think it's friendly, others don't. I think there are obviously people better placed to answer that particular question. I don't think the fact that he just used a term that refers to a the person in question being black means that it's It's like a racially offensive. Um, term in and of itself uh but it needs to be you need to know whether or not he, it's still dumb of him to do because he should have been aware of the fact the risks that it ran um but maybe there maybe there is no bad history behind or connotations associated with that word in which case we shouldn't treat it just because it's fairly similar to a very offensive terms in english we shouldn't necessarily assume that it has equal meaning in spanish but as I said, I'm not the one to be able to comment on that. I'm, I'm pretty sure it does have. And the thing is, even if it doesn't, it does to some people. And I, like what I don't get as well is that Solskjaer came out and said that players need more diversity training. It's like surely, surely Cavani knows that that is somewhat controversial or at least some way maybe other people frown upon the word or something like that. Like, I don't think that's an issue of diversity training. I just think he was an idiot. In the limelight, that's what it is. I agree with you that, look, if some people who are native Spanish speakers or who 
for whom that term has real meaning think it's offensive, then he shouldn't be using it. It's that simple. That being said, if it's Troy Deeney telling me that it's offensive, I don't really care that Troy Deeney, in a, in a language he doesn't speak or understands, thinks a word may be offensive because it's similar to a word that is offensive to him. To me, that doesn't matter. But it does matter if native Spanish speakers, South Americans, think that this word has a history or has connotations that are offensive. To me, that's important. Troy Deeney being offended, I don't care. Is he going to get banned? Yes. Because I looked at, I, what was it, Bernardo Silva last year, wasn't it? With comparing, well, yeah, comparing who got a one, Benjamin a one Mendy. Band. It was Mendy with a Spanish chocolate. Yeah, and he again was meant, I think, affectionately, right? He wasn't, he obviously wasn't racially abusing his teammate. I mean, I'm not ruling out that that's a possibility, but that I'm just you saying, know of. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that in this context, he was not racially, it was meant to be a, an affectionate term that clearly he didn't think of well enough. And he got a one-match ban, right? And they're talking about a three-match suspension for uh, Cavani. So now Troy Deeney thinks it should be more than three matches. But I don't know. It seems a little bit... And not to say that Troy Deeney's past means that he uh, shouldn't be allowed to comment on things, but for someone who's had his own transgressions in his history, um, talking about long and weighty bands from playing football is maybe not, you know, he without sin and all that. Not that I'm in any way religious, but... I'll just quote the Bible. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty famous quote. <laughs> <laughs> not religious. He's got a he's got a poster of Jesus dunking a basketball behind him. <laughs> yeah, Jesus is my homeboy. <laughs> and by that I mean uh, Gabriel Jesus, the Manchester City's forward. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine you leaving that at like a religious event, just be like, Jesus is my homeboy, Gabriel Jesus. <laughs> and if and you want, you can go. You, you that can be our second merch drop. We'll have. Uh, Jesus is our homeboy and uh, sell some uh, Gabriel Jesus shirts. Is it just him with like his thumbs up? Both yeah, thumbs just up? His, give it like just a his little grin. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to see how cool, how clearly we could represent his face without having him uh, sue us, but we'll have to see. <laughs> yeah. In the terms of imaging rights with FIFA, I think we yeah. might have a big problem to do with imaging. <laughs> so. Yeah, which we, we spoke about that last week too, right? And that seemed That's more gaining players. momentum. Yeah, we Zlatan, last week we spoke about it with Zlatan Ibrahimovic and subsequently Gareth Bale kind of got involved in a number of other players. Um, I mean, mainly one super agent, right? Um, and FIFA and FIFPro or whatever the agency that handles their image rights have fundamentally to me dealt with the issue well and made all the players in question look pretty stupid, I yes. have to say. Um, yeah, 100%. Like, for, for example, the Premier League came out and they were just like, it's a prerequisite that every single person that plays in the Premier League for a Premier League club, we control their rights as a single entity. So if we sell it to FIFA and EA, there you go, done. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they've made them look a bit ridiculous. It's made it look like a money grab. That's exactly what it's made it look like, in my opinion. 
hundred percent. And the, and, and the, the, the fact is the fact that Mino Raiola is in any way involved in it yeah. tells you it's a money grab because he's as crooked as they come. I mean, he's the worst aspect of professional football. So the fact that you have him involved saying that, Oh, his players rights have been uh, abused and uh, they've unknowingly had their, their sort of images reused for the benefit of EA sports and FIFA. Meanwhile, he's had one of his biggest, uh, um, clients in Holland be on the be one of the cover athletes on FIFA this year and can be involved in in all of EA's promotion of the game and somehow at the same time he thinks that other one other of his representatives have unwittingly unwittingly been involved in the game it's just it's just mind-blowing he's a total rat yeah, yeah I, and, I, and I was gonna say that the thing the thing for me is like so this was kind of what's been going on with college football is now that players can make money when the university uses their name for promotional purposes. And that's all well and fine. But what I don't get with like what Zlatan's arguing, it's not as if people are buying the game to just play him. And I, and I guess that's something you could never quantify because that would be the only way that you could argue, hey, I deserve money for this because people are going out specifically to get this game because they want to play with me, or you know, I'm the reason that they're going out and buying this, not the what thousands of other players in the game that they could play with, and and it's 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 impossible to make that argument. So I don't get where they think they have any grounds. So the tricky thing in that respect, right? In in if we went back ten years ago, yes, your argument would be perfectly fine because you'd say people buy FIFA to play FIFA. But now with the ultimate team aspect to it, you do have this idea that people are spending money separate from the game itself to try and acquire specific players. So if okay, then, last, I, I mean, maybe you could is, quantify it then, can you? The diff, well, it'd be difficult because people can't, you're buying packs. So do you know if a yeah. player wants Zlatan? Now, the thing is the Twitter response, the social media response to Zlatan was people screenshotting his rating in this year's game. I think he has pace 52 or something. And a bunch of people just being like, don't worry, Zlatan, no one's buying ultimate team packs to get you. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think, you know, that's the tricky scenario. And this has all come about because of the Beckham deal. And people have seen, hold on, Beckham is getting independently paid by FIFA to appear in the game. Why am I not getting independently paid by FIFA to appear in the game? Now, if they achieve the status of Beckham and retire and are in a position to individually negotiate their image rights, they're going to get exactly the same deal that David Beckham got. But as Beckham didn't get that when he was playing for Real Madrid or LA Galaxy or PSG or AC Milan, you know, like because yeah, he had a contract with the club and was yeah. getting paid that yeah. way. That's where he was exactly. getting his money. I, I, it's, exactly. it, it's a stupid argument. You know, it's annoying. 100%. And the other thing, too, is right that some of this money goes into um, good causes for lower level athletes like some of the collective money that is made out of the 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 collective collectively negotiated image rights goes towards supporting players who don't make as much money as Latin Ibrahimovic so the the shame of this could be if these few this these handful of you know su superstar or very famous players manage to change the way this is done then the people who are going to lose out are going to be players towards the bottom of the totem pole. 
and okay, Zlatan Ibrahimovic or Gareth Bale are going to get an extra million a year or whatever it ends up being negotiated. But the people who are going to miss out are the ones who need free representation, who need health insurance that they can't afford or, you know, medical treatments, those kind of things. And that's the shame. Yeah. And also this is actually sped up. Uh, So I think the Premier League has already been like reviewing um, agents, relationships with players. So they're trying to introduce like even stricter caps on how much a club can spend with the transfer and things like that. And to be honest, considering public opinion, this will probably just accelerate it. The only the only complication is like EA are a pretty bad company in terms of like the gaming world and things like that. So it's weird to defend them. But the thing is EA came out and they were just like, we negotiate with everyone we need to negotiate with. The only thing I would say Zlatan has going for him is that the Premier League is simple, right? The Premier League negotiates and every single player under that umbrella is signed up to FIFA. It doesn't necessarily work like that in Serie A. I think the Milans negotiate. It's an individual, yeah. It's which an is individual why, like, Pro one. Evolution get like Juventus, for example, and yeah. that's why it could be confusing because if Slatan's agreement with AC didn't cover imaging rights, then they sold that to EA. He has a claim, but it's a I think specific the claim, instance. The right? claim would be with the club, right? It wouldn't be. Exactly. It would be the club's breach of contract, not EA's. Um, in a way, this is kind of similar. We obviously did a football manager episode uh, a few weeks ago. And I remember Manchester United tried to sue uh, football manager SI Games because they claimed that Manchester United were kind of representing the club without... Um, uh, their authority and we're also there are third party like club badge packs and face packs because obviously with football manager when you when you start the game there's no manchester united badge it's just red with kind of like a football i think a sort of white 1960s football on it arsenal for some reason has a ship yeah (laughs) and and uh they basically claimed that that because the the badge packs were part of, I'm probably doing a poor job of explaining this, and I'm sure people listening will know more. But because the the badge, uh, packs, no one's listening anymore. You're good. Because the badge <laughs> packs were third party parts were part of the SI Games ecosystem, and because they were basically um, kind of tr- obviously making it clear that this was representing Manchester United, that they were uh, illegally using the Manchester United image, and it was kind of shot down in court because. Uh, SI Games pointed out that Manchester United had been selling football manager in their club shop for 15 years or something like that. And so the fact that they'd suddenly realized that they were, might, people might draw some link between Manchester United and, and the Manchester team in football manager was kind of farcical. And I feel like this is the similar one. Like suddenly someone's realized there's money to be made um, and they're going to do their best to try and get it, but, but they shouldn't. Speaking of which, did you see the, um, speaking of continuing Premier League into the future, did you see that one of the games was called off? So the Villa-Newcastle game's been called off because of COVID. Um, oh, really? Like a, I think it's to do with like a COVID outbreak at the training ground at Newcastle. And I think that represents kind of the first, I mean, we can we can segue this into the NFL because I know that the NFL's got several issues with the virus at the moment but this is kind of like the first test of the new season's protocols because as of 
tonight, I think, or well, last night when the podcast gets out, fans were allowed back in the UK uh, to lower league games. So it was the first time where like fans were able to go that weren't in a dry run. And then all of a sudden you've now got a Premier League game where it's going to be called off because of COVID. It, it, it kind of feels like you're in one of those true test moments again to see how they deal with it and how fans deal with it. But um, yeah, I, I saw that and it was kind of interesting to see. And then obviously we've then got scenarios like in the NFL where they keep pushing this Steelers game. It's not been played, right? No, it's as we speak, it is supposed to be played tomorrow, Wednesday, um, at 3.30 local time or 3.45 local time. Uh, all signs point to the fact that it will be played. but then, Which I, I told you why, right? You, you told me why it was being played, played at the weird, yeah, early. Because they're lighting the Rockefeller tree at night, so they don't want to lose wow. the TV for that so they're playing the game before so then after the game they can go to the rockefeller tree lighting but yeah i also saw i saw the villa comment because my boy jack Grealish on instagram was very upset about the var ruling in their match to not get the draw and then followed that up by saying not only did we lose a match controversially now we not get to play our next match so Rightfully so. My, my boy Grealish was upset. I mean, we could have the VAR debate on this every week, fundamentally. Um, oh, I don't want to have the debate. No, well, no. We could I'm have just... it just after soup juice, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll also say Jack Grealish should be careful because he obviously got himself into a sort of incident by potentially, let's say, exaggerating uh, the, contact, the contact between him and another player. And it wasn't his finest moment. And kind of everything got a little bit heated and spilled over. So it's maybe a moment in which Jack Grealish should just keep quiet and be happy that the next match has been postponed and then just be out of the limelight for five or six days. For those of us who listened to the our Thomas Gronemark interview, he would not be happy with the ethics of that of that no. maneuver. <laughs> no, exactly. It also just was I find it kind of amusing when people dive or simulate and it's not done very well when they stimulate simulate oh <laughs> and uh it's not good clarification done. there yeah it's not done very well um i mean the worst the one everyone always points to which is a blackburn rover supporter uh always pains me whenever it's brought up but is the morton gamps Pedersen one against arsenal where he kind of went to ground about four steps after any Arsenal he'd gone by uh any any arsenal defender um to me, it's almost funnier than it is offensive when it's that bad. Yeah, and then when you the do, when you do it that bad, it's it's hilarious. And the Grealish one isn't far off. The fact that he okay, they probably knock knees, and then he takes a step, and then suddenly looks as if he's been at his legs kicked from out from underneath him while no one's around him. It's a little bit bizarre. One of my favorite ones though was uh, in the uh, I can't remember. I think it was uh, Barcelona for Rivaldo when he got kicked in the knee. And then went down holding his face. <laughs> oh, against another Blackburn player involved in that, Hakan Unsel in the oh, really? World Cup. Oh, was the World Brazil. Cup, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Suarez kicked... has had a few good ones too. Well, he's yeah. also eaten a few good ones. He's, as well. he's also been on both sides of it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'd love that's... to see VAR slowly analyze him biting. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, one day, one day he'll probably, you know, he'll have it gold disallowed because his teeth are offside. <laughs> I'm trying to think if that's like karma because of him biting someone or you're making a, an ascetic judgment on him. Yeah, I have to, I'm obviously not trying to make uh, Luis Suarez feel bad about himself or bully him about his when it comes to his physical appearance. That being said, I think it's very unlikely that he hears my comments and, uh, and if he does, he's more than willing, you know, he's, he's more than welcome to appear on the podcast and I will. More than willing. Oh yeah, God. he's willing, I've heard. <laughs> he's going to take a bite you. out of your argument. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we won't be in the same room. I'll give him the Hannibal Lecter treatment, but I will apologize to him. So, yeah, I guess getting back to the, to the COVID with the NFL, I believe I sent this to, to Eddie off air. Um, ESPN had on no, none other than Booger McFarland one of the world's worst TV commentators, <laughs> announcers ever. And one day, one day we'll go back and we'll read the best booger quotes because some of them are just amazing. But he went on a little rant about how amazing the NFL is doing with this whole COVID. And, and you know, he's saying they're doing a spectacular job. Hats off. I congratulate you. He did like a little stupid fake clap and he was being sincere. I mean, and whether that is his actual thought or if that's just what he's forced to say because he works for ESPN. I don't know, but to think that the NFL is doing a great job at this point, I I don't know how you can think that. I mean, you're looking at now, this is the fourth major sports in America to go through the pandemic, the NHL, when they went into their bubble, zero positive tests, NBA in their bubble, zero positive tests. MLB didn't have a bubble except until the postseason where they had zero. But even during the year, well, they only had well, they had what? Justin Turner in in the in the final game of the World Series. It was over. <laughs> All right, let's say okay, they had one. They had one yeah. after at the conclusion. But in total, I looked this up, they had 91 positives, 57 which were players, and 34 which were personnel. That was throughout the year. The NFL currently right now has 61 players on the COVID IR list. That's just right at this moment. So I did some, some statistics that uh, like kind of looked through. So in October, this is week by week, they had eight, eight player cases, seven personnel. Next week, eight new player cases, 11 personnel. Next week, eight new player cases, 11 personnel. Next week, eight new player cases, 17. Hold on a second. This is making I swear to me God. think, because it's eight and 11, it almost makes me feel as if these statistics, not by you, but are made up by the league, because they're just like, Probably. Eight, and 11, eight and 11 is the tolerable number. We we'll just keep telling them eight and 11. It's eight and seven, eight and 11, eight and 11, eight and 17. So just different combos. But then jump to November, first week, 15, and then 41 personnel. Then the following week, 17, 35 personnel. And then they just stopped reporting. You cannot find it after November 14th. But you can just kind of think for yourself, the last week between the Ravens and one or two other teams, they've had over 30 just for players. So you're looking at now, you're over 100 players. What? Two-thirds into the season and way and way over 100 personnel i mean they're not doing a great job you have you have teams that got their bye weeks removed teams that had to switch up yeah you have a game being played on wednesday the the steelers are the only team that have lost their bye week right 
Yeah, well, you have it's the, just the, the Steelers are just the ones. The Steelers are being screwed because yeah. that's the point. You you kind of mentioned it there. It's it's the inconsistency that's kind of frustrating about it all. Like, look what happens to the treatment of the Titans when they have their breakout, and then look what <laughs> then the Steelers suffer. Look yeah. what happens to the Ravens. Then that, the Steelers. That, well, the Steelers aren't going to suffer because I just saw the line and it's minus ten at the moment. <laughs> well, <laughs> but. This is my issue. So I think there's two things. I don't know how to judge how well the NFL is or isn't doing because obviously compared with the other sports, they didn't go down the bubble path. They're also not in the summer, which makes things a little bit trickier because obviously seemingly it spreads more easily in colder conditions. So it is more likely to get it. And one thing I'll say though, okay, go ahead. Keep going. You're dealing with a much larger group of people both on the player side, because you're dealing with 53-man rosters plus practice squads versus in the NBA, you're talking about 12 players, 13, 14 players. Um, And then the personnel, the non-playing staff, also just so many more people. And so the, the chances of someone getting it is far higher. So I don't know how to judge whether or not they're doing a good job. I'll put it this way. The fact that up until this moment in time, they haven't canceled a game or postponed it to the week 18 is kind of remarkable. Should they have, though? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Shouldn't it? Like, should the Broncos have played this game this week? So, the reason why they don't want to move games to week 18 is because they don't want to be in a situation where they postpone multiple games involving the same team. So, for example, the Steelers are a great example, right? Say they'd postpone the game against the Titans, whenever that was, week seven, week six. So now you've got the Titans-Steelers scheduled for week 18. And now they postpone the Ravens-Titans game, uh, Ravens-Steelers game. So now they have, they've got now two Steelers games to play in week 18, which means if you're the Steelers, would you rather be punished now? or potentially be punished right into the playoffs when you don't get a bye week that you were maybe expecting or time off. Yeah, but then here, here's my issue. So there's two issues with this. The first one you said, you know, it's hard to judge because they didn't have a bubble. You can't make that an excuse for them. That's a criticism that maybe they should have gone into a bubble in the first place or done something better. The NFL players said that they wouldn't go into a bubble. So they either, yeah. had, they either had to have a season or they either... They say that, but I I mean, there could have been other things maybe they could have done, like a quasi-bubble. I I mean, just, I don't think you can say that as as a reason for why you're having it, because there are other things. I mean, so the other thing, too, you're saying is the week 18. Why couldn't have put in several weeks of no games to have catch-up? You know, I mean, it's it's not that inconceivable to say, hey, let's, let's say week seven no one plays just in case week 14 no one plays just in case and week 18 no one plays just in case we need to make up games or if we need to switch and a team loses a buy then we have other day other weeks built in that they can kind of recover that buy even though it wouldn't be fair because all teams would have it but at least they wouldn't lose one you know like there's things they could have done to do this and and here's my major issue is if they don't do something to change this What's going to happen come playoffs if, for instance, the Kansas City Chiefs become the Denver Broncos? Are you really <laughs> going to put – no, but seriously, are you really going to put a team out there that's starting their, their practice squad ride receiver? Because they don't have any built-in weeks for the playoffs either. And, so, 
I'll say no, it's, it's crazy. I, I think fundamentally, once they get to the playoffs, they'll be happy to delay weeks because then they're dealing with a relatively small number of teams. It's a lot easier from them from a with TV rights and everything. I don't know because that seems to obviously be a pressing issue they're having already. To me, the reason during the season, and I'm not saying whether it's right or it's wrong, but the what I can understand is what they know is once they postpone one game, they're going to have to postpone a lot of games. Like if you think back to recent weeks, if they're going to postpone this Ravens Steelers game till week 18, they should have postponed this the Niners uh, Packers game to week 18. They should have postponed the Titans Steelers game to week 18. They should have postponed the Broncos Saints games to week week 18. So not only in the f- going forward are you going to have a ton of games postponed, you're going to have teams looking back. If you're the Niners and you miss out on the game, <laughs> like not to be Niners Nation here, but if you're the if they postpone this Steelers Ravens game to week 18, and then say the Ravens win and get into the playoffs as a result of that. And then the Niners miss out on the playoffs potentially by a game, which is probably unlikely, but it's a scenario that could be in play. As the Niners, you say, why didn't our game get postponed? We were forced to play the Packers with 11 players missing. Why couldn't we have had our game postponed? And then we would have been healthy at the end of the season. And then maybe we would have beaten the Packers and maybe we'd be in the playoffs. Isn't that the inconsistency of the NFL protocols then, that they're more favoring just getting into the season? So actually, couldn't you say that it's partially their fault because they keep not doing those pretty draconian measures, let's be honest, but because they're not doing them, it's spreading. And it's just going to be exponential for the next, what, four weeks? The only thing I don't get is why this particular game keeps being postponed by... Now, I think it's... I think if it had just been the Ravens, I think what they got killed by is that the Ravens Connor had now break positive. and then it was a Steelers player. And it's like, well, now, yeah. now it's, we have to be put safety protocols in place because we've got both teams. So that was kind of the issue there. So I'm a little bit sympathetic. I get why they forced the Broncos to play, which was basically like you guys broke protocol. You don't get bailed out by not following the rules. Fundamentally, the Broncos punishment was to be embarrassed in a game. But didn't the Titans break protocol and they just I had think the game the, delayed against the Steelers? I think, in, I think in the end, they like, I think it's also tricky, right? When it's a member of staff versus when it's, uh, when it's players, I think with the Titans in the end, they found that they had pretty much adhered to protocol. Um, they but, just, did they just get the Steelers, uh, the Broncos game going because the Broncos have got nothing in it and the steel and the Saints were going to win anyway. Is this kind of the point here? I think it definitely made it a lot easier that the Broncos are not uh, in the playoff picture or Super Bowl contenders. I do think if that had been the Kansas City Chiefs playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday and Mahomes had been out and every possible quarterback backup was out, I th- even if you told me that all the quarterbacks weren't wearing masks, <laughs> I would have been surprised if they'd force the Chiefs to play. But maybe I'm wrong. And again, isn't that now another inconsistency of the league of how they're handling situations? I mean, that isn't fair. I mean, who's to say the Broncos can't make a run of it? Wow. Or or, wait, wait. No, no, no. Okay, okay, okay. Wait. I'll I'll go one back. My eyes. I'll go go one back. (laughs) Who's to say? I'll go. I'll step it back. Who's to say the Broncos don't play the game of the season, beat the Saints, and then that loss by the Saints affects every other team in playoff seating? No, sure. You fundamentally right? gave. Yeah, no. That's so now if I'm, if I'm a Packers fan, I'm pissed off because now the Saints just got a freebie. And who knows if the Saints, I mean, because let's be honest, we watched, you and I both watched that game. If they played a real team, Taysom Hill sucked. I mean, they could have easily lost that game. 
I, I don't, if we can do it, I, I guess we move on to that. I don't know how to react because they were playing against such an incompetent offense that I almost don't know at which moment you kind of went into cruise control in the game. And the Broncos defense is not Come on, bad. they did not look good. The Saints did not look good that they first didn't look two great. No, quarter they didn't and look a half. Good. They didn't look great, but I, I also kind of feel like in the back of their minds, they were like, let's just get through this thing. We know we know we're going to beat because even to me, the funny thing was like their first. So like the first play, I think they had that, like they lined up in the wildcat and they just handed it off to Lindsay and he picked up like a few yards. And there was that moment where you're like, Oh no, no they got a first down. The first yeah, play they, got a first down. It was going to be a completely like, jovial game. In, in my mind, I thought, uh Oh, there's going to be like wildcat and gimmicks and the Broncos offense is suddenly going to be so unusual that it's going to be unstoppable. And then within about five plays, you're like, no, okay. It's going to be so unusual, unusual that it's unworkable. But now here's a question for you. We had an episode a couple months back where we discussed sporting achievements that we think we could do. Like, could we score a touchdown in the NFL? Could we score a goal in the Premier League? Those kind of things. Did watching this wide receiver converted, well, quarterback converted to a wide receiver converted back to a quarterback playing in an NFL I wouldn't say game. converted. I would say thrown into. <laughs> Did this in any way change your mind about no. whether or not you could do something in the NFL? Because obviously this guy is a near enough world-class athlete, right? And he still looked like you'd taken a middle schooler and dropped him into an NFL game. Does this change your mind about what think- you think you could do? I think I mentioned that for me to be for me to do anything in the NFL, it would be like a first and inches QB sneak. <laughs> like that's the only way. So fundamentally, that doesn't change the athlete part of it because I'm just running forward for inches. That's all I need to do to be somewhat successful and more successful. <laughs> yeah, for for sure. Because if I were to say, let's say I think I could score a touchdown in the NFL. It would be as a receiver where it's a lot easier to just have to know what you're doing on the play and maybe be able to slightly read the defense if it's like an option route or something like that. But conceivably, if I'm going to score a touchdown, it's going to be running the same route 14 times and then eventually just getting it thrown to me or a handoff in a goal line and having a huge hole. If I remember correctly, it was Eddie himself who said he could lead a drive down the field no. to score. No, 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 no. I did not say I could lead a drive down the field. Uh-oh. I said I thought I could throw a touchdown pass that given uh, several attempts in like a goal line situation, I could eventually hit a receiver on a slant. That was my opinion. So that if you gave me like 10 possessions from first and goal from the eight. I oh, so you're sure. automatically getting the ball on a first goal situation. Sure, sure, well, sure. you're automatically getting to run routes down yeah, by the goal line. Because everyone else can drive the ball down, and then I just get it thrown. And you, okay. as the quarterback, you have to lead your team down to the field. Well, I've no, driven no, no, no. the length of the field to get my QB sneak. I'm just going to no, say I, that now. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm like Taysom Hill for the normal Saints offense. and Or I'm... I'm Jalen Hurts and I'm inexplicably called in for certain passing plays. And then for the rest of the game, I sit out. This is my role. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, in that respect, it was almost entertaining for maybe two series to watch it, to just see 
how difficult it is. And I mean, we talked about it off podcast. It was so funny that the Broncos had petitioned the NFL to, to activate two of their coaches onto the team so that they could play because at least they had played full quarterback in college. I think one of them was Calabrese or something like that, who had played for UCF, but he stopped in 2014. So this is also a guy who hadn't played quarterback or football for several years. And they were willing to have him come off the coaching staff and go out there and play. That would have made an even better story. And I'm kind of pissed off that the NFL didn't do that because this made a good story for the lead up to the game. But then as soon as the game started, you're like, this is stupid. But to have a coach come on the entire time would have been entertaining. The thing is, I'll say is he was worse than I expected him to be. And I don't mean that in a sense that it makes me rethink how hard it is to be an NFL quarterback. Cause I have an incredible respect. Like I think it's, it's one of the more difficult positions to play in any sport. So I'm not downplaying the challenge of being a quarterback in the NFL. I expected him to be more competent. The fact that fundamentally the ball got snapped to him. And I said to you, it was like watching someone who's really bad at Madden when they snap the ball and they don't really know how to run a play. So all they do is just drop back like 12 or 13 steps for some reason with their quarterback and they kind of roll out and they kind of don't. And then suddenly when they've got some pressure on them, they just throw the ball up and hope that some receiver comes down with it. And it kind of surprised me that he was that incompetent. I don't know. It didn't really surprise me. I think it's really, really difficult. The other issue I have is the one, the speed I mean, he played in college, yeah, but the speed from college to the NFL is always the number one thing quarterbacks say is like a mind-blowing difference is how much faster the defenses are. But not being at quarterback for that long as well, I mean, it has to be so difficult to be thrown into playing quarterback after not playing for for five years. And like, I mean, do you think he even had a chance to read a defense or something like, like, I couldn't imagine how difficult it was. The thing that I don't get is I read, they said about 10% of the playbook was open for him. I don't get why they even had that much. I, I don't know what they were expecting. I mean, obviously they knew they were losing this game without a miracle. I don't get why they almost didn't give him five plays and said, I would have given him three. Honestly. Yeah. And, and I honestly think it would have been maybe almost the same play, like maybe just do a shotgun option read RPO where it's either you hand oh, it off, no, you read no, it no, no. or you throw. That's it. No, so wait, it looks wait, the wait, same wait, every hold time. On, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're trying to simplify the, the experience for him by making him have to read the defense and make a split second decision. as to Well, one, he... that's, that's the offense he ran at Wake Forest. So he has yeah, experience but... with that. And two, you're not reading a whole defense with an option read. You're, all you're reading is the, the, the down defensive end. If he comes on to your running back, you pull it. If not, you don't. And then off of that, you have one to two other plays where one is a throw and one is like another designed run or something like that. And just have it be the same formation. So the defense basically has to guess which, which one of the four plays it is. But at least you're consistent in running your plays because with 10%, I mean, he didn't run one play well. Like, I don't know why they gave him more than five. I would have That's just crazy. I would have just run like slants constantly and just hoped for the best. 
and just told him we're, if we're going to get anywhere, it's going to be chipping it down the field in five yard chunks. The fact that he was routinely trying to throw like 30 yard completions, yeah. that to me was insane. I, <laughs> I fact, would have gone for glory. That's all I would have done if I was. Well, in that he went for glory and he ended up with one completion and what, two interceptions? So <laughs> it was not glorious. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe just run the same play and tell your receiver on this one fake fake the seam vertical route and stop at 15 yards and i'm just going to throw it and whether the defender realizes it or not it's either going to be an interception or a completion because it would have been better than what they tried because you're right trying to run real plays with progressions and reads is insane of an idea but arguably they would have been better off just punting the ball I mean, like legitimately in a way, when you break it down, they would have maybe been better off just like we're going to try and pin them, play really great defense, hope that we get the ball back in field goal like territory once or twice. And this is our only way of winning it. And that in a, in a real miracle, we get a special teams touchdown or a defensive touchdown and, and we have a chance in this game. Yeah. And it also really didn't go back to the Lindsay and the Wildcat. They only did that. Two or three more times after that. It works for 11 yards. They're like, all right, guys, that didn't work. Let's stop that. (laughs) That worked too well. We were were expecting (laughs) to lose this game. But, and I mean, look, overall, it was a Sunday and a Monday filled with bad quarterback performances. The talking points from the football to me, with the exception of, I guess, Mahomes, um, everything else focused around quarterbacks underperforming. I mean, Tom Brady was atrocious for a half against the Chiefs. Tom uh, Mahomes and uh, Tyreek Hill were scary. I mean, that first quarter, part of me feels like the Chiefs ended up, which we've discussed anyway on the podcast before, just eased off and kind of felt like they could have always won that game at any moment if they needed to. That score Um, was not indicative of the game. At the same time, part of me also feels if Tampa Bay had had a quarterback performing anywhere near NFL average for the entire game, Tampa Bay may have won that game because in addition to him just looking bad, I mean, they had, I mean, to start the game off, they just kept getting third and shorts and just never completing them, which I also didn't get. They routinely turned down going for it on like fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and three. You're playing Kansas city at some point, you've just got to roll the dice. You've got to pick up first downs. There's no point punting to them. You're not going to keep them to under 20 points. So if you're not scoring, the game is over anyway. You may as well just say, let's do our best. If we can pick up a, if we can pick up 50% of these, we've got a better chance of winning than if we punt the ball back to them. Now, do you think the Bucks are still a top three NFC playoff team? That was very quiet, Sam. <laughs> I <laughs> Sam, was no, that I an just, answer? I, just, I think he's. I think he whispered no. I, I think, think he doesn't. I, I he mean, thinks Tom Brady's so beautiful. He doesn't want Tom's uh, gentle careless, ears to it's hear. It's a careless. That. It's a careless whisper. <laughs> I don't know. Like you look at their last. You look at their recent games. I think they've lost uh, three or four games recently um, to playoff teams, and you do not know at the moment when this team will perform and not perform, and what they're going to get into the playoffs as a wild card. I mean, does this does anything really at the Bucks strike you as kind of good material at the moment? Their defense, and they've got weapons. Here's the thing: is I don't like any team in the NFC. 
this is my issue. So are they a top three team in the NFC? Probably. Well, yeah. Where were they actually? Actually, they're they're it it's confusing because it would are you ranking them by their record or by their playoff lock picture. in the playoff? Because if you're doing it in the playoff picture, they're currently like I think sixth or seventh right now. I guess both. But that's because like the Giants are ahead of them because the Giants are winning the division. But I'm gonna I'm gonna piss you off and I'm gonna piss off your dad. But fundamentally, the only team in the NFC that I would have any faith in would be a healthy Niners in the playoffs. Oh God! If you told me it made the play, if they made the playoffs, I wouldn't stun me if suddenly Kittle and or Jimmy G could get back because I think fundamentally they're ruled out as done for the season because the expectation is the season is over. I think you'd suddenly find Kittle being back if the Niners were in the playoffs in January. But to me, they're the only team when I look at them and I think, well, they do some things well, reliably, that week in, week out, I can expect them to do. I can expect their defense to be competitive. I can expect them to run the ball efficiently. So every time I kind of know what they're getting, they have a severe limitation because of the injuries that they had over the course of the season and now because they have Mullins, or quarterback. But when I look everywhere else, it's like with Tampa Bay, which version of their offense am I getting? With the Saints, which version of their offense am I getting? With the Seahawks, am I getting a defense that can stop anyone? With the Rams, which version of Jared Goff am I getting? Yeah, With but you the- could say I you could say the exact same thing about I think the Niners and the Rams are almost the same team. If both have very healthy? good defense. Both have very good defense. Oh my god, I'm so upset. I'm so offended by that. A, a, Niner, a healthy Niners team. A healthy Niners team. Okay, who's better, Mullins or Goff? Goff. Okay, the, I mean, the, the, so they have a better no, offense. No, I, wait, no, it just comes down to quarterback. Is that's it? Yeah, I think about eighty percent of the offense but is the when quarterback. I mean, when I mean healthy, I'm I'm including Jimmy G in this. So Jimmy G is now better than Goff. I think Jimmy G and golf are on a par with each other. Oof, I don't, I don't know what that par is. <laughs> well, part of that par is the fact that Jared Goff was awful against the Niners on Sunday and the Niners beat him without having to have Jimmy G there. So that's part of it. I agree with you. My issue with that is, is that golf being bad or is that the Niners just having his number? Because it's pretty clear at this point that the Niners own the Rams. Yeah, I said that last time out as well. Yeah, we got we their number go, at the moment. Here's the thing is, though, they, they've got their number, but it, in terms of they consistently beat them. But then if you remember last year and the, when they beat them in December or whatever, that was a shootout where they won it at the end. So it wasn't really Jared Goff's fault, right? I mean, I know the last threw, two have been. He threw a bad pick six in that game when, he, when Fred Warner, I think, had the picks, the interception return. Um, which, which was a key moment in that game. But fundamentally, like that wasn't his fault. This, this time around, yeah, that, this was not good from him. Um, but every team in the NFC is, is exceptionally flawed, and every team in the AFC is really flawed with the possible exception of the Chiefs and the Steelers. I, I don't I think- necessarily know the Saints are flawed, majorly flawed. Their, you think their offense is not a could not pretend is a kind of not a weakness for them? I mean, their offense is putting up thirty plus a game, they've, isn't it? Yeah, they've actually only scored about <laughs> twenty fifteen less than the Seahawks. Their offense but, is one of the highest scoring in the NFL. Yeah, but they're scoring with the 
some games they're great, right? Like, so they dismantled the Buccaneers. Then even you yourself a second ago, you're like, well, the game was in question against the Broncos until half. But that's with Taysom Hill. I don't, I I think he's playing. If you put Hill in, yeah, but you know, come playoffs, that Breeze is going to be back. Do I? Yeah, he's only got 13 broken ribs and two punctured (laughs) lungs. (laughs) It's a flesh wound. It's fine. And, and which version of which version of Drew Brees am I getting? I mean, I'm not sure Drew Brees is a major upgrade. Honestly, I'd be playing Jameis Winston if I were them. I think that's their only hope of winning the Super Bowl. Genuinely, God, that's such that's a not terrible a hot take. That's that's not such a, a terrible take. take. No, you're right. It's not a hot take. It's a terrible take. There's a difference. <laughs> but but to me, genuinely, that and I look elsewhere. I mean, even the Chiefs, their defense does not. I'm not over. I'm not overly impressed with their defense. It has to be said. Um, now they're all. Are, offense you, is are so, you not impressed by anyone this year? I'm really impressed by the Steelers. Sam, week in week out. Eddie is never impressed with anything. That's all I'm getting. <laughs> I've never heard, heard Eddie say. Honestly, yeah, that's the impressive. Last, the last 15 minutes, I have just heard a, a massive deuce on the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen I've seen world records be broken, and Eddie be like, ah, "Well, I mean, it was a shitty record to begin with. So, how great of an achievement is it?" That's a fair point. Sometimes I do make good points, but the, the look, I think this this version of this year, the current version of the NFL, is not going to be a historically good one. And I think it's hurt by no preseason, no fans in the stadium. There's other factors at play. I'm not being critical of all the teams involved. There's reasons why the standard may not be as high as previous years. But no, I don't think looking at it, there have been years going into the playoffs where I think there's a number of really great teams. Going into this, I think you have probably at most two great teams. The Steelers and the, and the Chiefs are the only two teams as it stands that I could ever say these are, these are great teams who in other years I think would be real Super Bowl contenders. And even then, I, there's question marks still over the Steelers, right? I need to see them maybe tested by some other teams. But for now, at least, I'm, I'm, I'm putting them in that, in that category. How many other teams? I mean, there's not, there's not that many left in terms of, like, game-wise. No, but you see what I mean, right? Like, going into last, the playoffs last year, I would have said the Chiefs and the Niners, um, the Titans were really good. Um, you know, so I would have put at least three and then there would have been cusp teams, the saints, there would have been a handful of teams who I would have thought were legitimately very good teams. And this time around now the Titans could be the, the Titans who blow hot and cold more than any other team in the league in a way, they might be the one, they might be the kind of fly in the ointment of what I'm saying, because if they figure things out, they might be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I think they're the I mean, only I, team. That- I, I still think you're so disrespecting the saints. They've won eight games in a row. They're averaging 29.6 a game and they're defending 18.8 points a game. Look, ultimately here's the great thing about this time will tell as to whether or not my prediction is if I'm being harsh on them or not. But if I watch them flame out in the playoffs, scoring 14, 16 points and just looking terrible, then I won't be wrong. If I watch them make the Super Bowl and be competitive in a Super Bowl, then yeah, I'm wrong. Oh, be well, competitive. The other thing I, 
competitive yeah. as in not lose the Super Bowl by 25 points. I'm not going to, if they get blown out, absolutely destroyed by the first team that they play that I consider to be very good. I don't then think I'm wrong. I mean, well, like, they play oh, the con- Chiefs in the regular season. So we'll see. I mean, that's a great benchmark. They're going to sure. play the Chiefs in what week 15, I think. So okay. they'll all be playing for that. I mean, okay, we'll see. Then we'll see how they stand up against the Chiefs in week 15. I mean, the NFL's fixed though, right? I mean, we look at, did you guys see this uh, fan that wrote to the NFL about the Seahawks Eagles game last night? And he's, he's basically saying that the NFL is influenced by Vegas and the example being the Eagles going for the two point. Unnecessary two point conversion. Yeah. When I I wrote that last night, when I wrote that last night, I was really (laughs) angry. I hadn't gotten my sleep yet. So I mean, just an observer looking in like there was no, there was nothing statistically or analytically speaking that would suggest they go for it. So I'm curious why they would. No, there is, there is Peterson always does go for it. And in that situation, analytics tell you to go for it because you don't want to go to a tie to go to overtime because you have a a greater chance of losing. So you want to go for two. And as a rule, if you have to score two touchdowns to get 15 points, you want to go for two on the first one because then if you miss it, then you know you have to go for two on the second one to at least tie. So analytically, it was the right move. And he is a guy who lives and dies and more often dies lately by analytics. Having said that, as soon as they scored, and this is someone who had the Seahawks minus six and a half, as soon as they scored that shitty Hail Mary, which again, just knocked the fucking ball down. Stop trying to intercept it. Hold on a second. Can we start one thing? Why is everyone calling it a Hail Mary? I just thought it was a heave. Yeah, 45-yard throw. No. He throws it from like their 35 I mean, look, further than that. And he throws in miles in the air. I will say that. And it's an unusual trajectory for a touchdown pass. But it's everyone's calling it a Hail Mary as if he was on his own 30. Like, right. I don't think you can have a Hail Mary in the other team's uh, half. But by definition, isn't a Hail Mary just a ball you throw up and hope for the best? Pray oh, for well, the then, best? Well, in that, case, in that case, Jared Goff throws 55 Hail Marys a game. Yeah, he does. <laughs> but again, going back to the, the argument, as soon as they caught that ball for the six, I instantly knew I was done because before they even said they were going for two, I knew that asshole was going to go for two. Oh, I know. I and like and I texted Eddie because I said, oh, no, yeah. I'm done. And it was before they even said they were going for two. <laughs> so he's the consistent only- because I knew right away that he was doing it. So they're consistent. The oh no was a great message to receive. It was just such a like moment of raw emotion, just the uh-oh. And we've all been there, just the moment of like, oh, this is going to go badly very quickly here. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it made sense. I, I hate people. We've spoken about this before. I hate gamblers trying to spin things as like either being a conspiracy theory or that someone else had money on the game that it's a fix i i just hate it i just gambling match fixing does get into games i mean let's let's not get how can you match fix that the the guy caught a one-handed catch off a 35 year old 
35 year old 35 yard pass bomb <laughs> that had been batted down that had been batted yeah. down yeah he it was a one-handed catch batted down if that is like a it. fix that it's, they should sign up because they'll win an oscar yeah. next year it's almost <laughs> like when we spoke about the democrats in the election right how they were like okay we're going to win the presidency by doing terribly in the house but yeah also <laughs> making it but also really obviously losing florida if they are weaving these kind of intricacies sign them up (laughs) but here's the thing is right i believe a hundred percent there to be match fixing and that there are you know underground betting rings that have or asian betting markets that have influence on uh, a lot of sporting events around the world i do not think that that extends to the upper reaches of the nfl now now you can tell me officials like the NBA betting scandal. You can tell me officials. I'll believe that any yeah. day of the week because those people do not earn enough money where, because the argument always against how can you bribe Patrick Mahomes to throw a Super Bowl? The guy <laughs> earns 500 million over the next 10 years. He, I mean, just using him as an example, the endorsement. I know how you do him. it. You kill his father. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way you'd have. To I was actually going to say, like, kidnap. You'd have to Michael hold. Jordan. You'd have to hold someone hey, hostage. Hello, Michael it'd have Jordan. Have to be collateral. It'd have to be collateral. Oh God. Yeah. Oh God. Or, Jordan's been fixing games for years. Oh, or you'd have to have, you'd have to have some really awful, like, videotape of them doing something. Like those are the. But the financial bribe, the idea that you were going to go and buy someone off when they're earning those sums of money. It's also because you see it most routinely when people are talking about a horse racing, right? And you'll get angry gamblers being like, Frankie DeTore threw that arc. He threw it. He didn't look at him. He, he didn't he didn't ride that horse so well. What a terrible ride. I love ride. his he voice on- when he impersonates someone. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, someone he That's disrespects. the angry gambler voice. Yeah. Someone he disrespects gets that voice. <laughs> and, uh, and the thing to me is like... He, you're talking about a guy who, who potentially was going to make hundreds of thousands from a race and then future earnings as a result of that of more hundreds of thousands to millions. How much money do you think someone is paying him to throw it and then having to be able to bet on the event to make more than they've paid him to throw it? Wait, be one did thing- Kieran Fallon get done for match for betting? Yeah, he also, Kieran Fallon also got done for cocaine though, didn't he? So those two... <laughs> Yeah, and he also suffered too. like huge, like high amounts of depression and had to go into rehab for six months. And that's the thing, right? Once you told me the guy has a drug problem or some other aspect of their life is not above board. Yeah, then, suffers from mental issues. Yeah. Then I can get how you start to expose that or lean on them and put pressure there. I get it. But if you just tell like, this guy has his life looks exactly like what it is, but someone just walked up to an apar- him in a park and was like, hey, I, here's a check for a million dollars. You want to throw that next game? It's just so unbelievable. Also, it's, it gets a little more unrealistic when you look at some of the sports that it gets accused in. Horse racing, yeah, sure. It's a jockey on a horse. It can happen. But for it to happen in football, like let's, for instance, say – there was some sort of fix in that game, in the Eagles game. 
who who is doing it? Is it the defensive tackle that lets him go through for the two point conversion? Is it is, is it the player who knocks the ball down but knocks it just in a way so he knows that the eagle player three feet below him is going to catch it with one hand? Like where who's fixing it? How how can you fix NFL that easily unless it's the quarterback who throws seven interceptions? And the more likely way it gets fixed, right? Which is in a, which is when crickets had its match fixing scandals or Matthew Letizier spoke about in his book, is that you're not actually fixing the result. You're fixing individual moments within the game that in and of themselves are insignificant, but that an individual player could control. So you could, like, you can bet on the outcome of the first play of a game, right? You can pay yep. Patrick Mahomes to throw an incomplete pass. So con conceivably, you could go to Patrick Mahomes and be like, hey, Patrick, could you do me a favor? I'm going to put 500 grand on you throwing an incomplete pass on the first play of the game. Can you just overthrow a receiver by 10 yards? That would be perfect. And no one would think anything of it. And that's like in cricket when they've, you know, they have a random bet on the fourth ball of the 12th over to go for a wide to be bold, a wide to be bold. You can fix that and it doesn't look that odd now. The thing is, the irregularity in the betting markets mean that you get sniffed out pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but. How pissed are you if your internet cuts off and you can't put in the bet on the live on the live bet? <laughs> it's like, God <laughs> damn it! <laughs> but yeah, I think fundamentally, if you're trying to fix a sport, horse racing is where you might start, and then the two sports that to this day. <laughs> Now we've become a podcast for yeah. how to fix sports. Well, this is how I would do it, guys. But but here's, yeah, I'll do the OJ Simpson. I didn't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have done it. But And then the other two sports that I would 100% get into for fixing are snooker slash pool. I knew darts. you were going to say that. And darts. Because there you've got people with incredible accuracy who can just miss. And it's an individual activity. They can just blow it and it not look that suspicious. Like you can have Ronnie O'Sullivan have a very makeable black and, oh, it's just, he just hit it a bit thick and it's just come off the corner of the pocket and he's missed and now he's lost the frame and he's fucked. And you can have that happen and it doesn't look that odd. It, I mean, it's happened in football, soccer, right? Juventus were in the match fixing scandal. So it's not like it can't happen to these players that are paid massive amounts of money. This was in like the mid noughties when Juventus got, what was it Probably. Juventus and Lazio? Have we agreed that this podcast is going to refer to it as the noughties? Cause I don't know how I feel what, about that bit. What the fuck does that mean? Anything the in the 2000s, the noughties. <laughs> it's no. a thing. It's credible. It's fine. <laughs> no, <laughs> it is a thing. He's right. It is a thing, but I don't know if that gets the big chill stamp of approval. Oh, he's flustered now. No, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to think. So you just call it 2000s? Yeah. Early 2000s, yeah. mid 2000s? Yeah, I call so, it the double zeros. So would this one be the 2010s? Like the 2010s, the, yeah. The 2020s, okay. And then do and we now go the 20s? Issue, right? Now do we go 20s? No, I'm calling the 2020s. Because if I say 20, the I, think of, I think of the 1920s. If I say 20s, I'm thinking roaring roaring 20s. I'm thinking prohibition and Man, flappers. that was a good time. Do you think people in the 1920s did this about the 1820s as well? Probably. <laughs> like, oh, Got to call it the 20s. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, Serie A got massively rocked. They demoted their biggest team. They're Italians. They're all they're all. Oh, so it's a nationality thing. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I'll be very xenophobic to, to support my argument. All right, so I want to get back to the football. I have, I have a question for both of you guys. Can the Vikings do it? We talk about it week in and week out, that just when you think they're done, 
they come back yeah. and then they fall apart again and then they come back so they're what five and six at the moment where does i haven't seen the standings but where are they so they're are they in it they're five the and six doubt it and there are one game out of the last wild card so right now the wild card is ram seven and four bucks seven and five Cardinals six and five, and then you have the Vikings five and six, the Bears five and six, and the Niners five and six. And the thing going for the Vikings, right, is so they play the Jags this week, which I'm going to say, assuming that they're going to win, they obviously lost to the Cowboys, so who knows? And then you have the Rams and the Cardinals playing each other, so no matter what, someone there is dropping a game. So you have the remaining schedule for the Vikings is Jags. Bucks, Bears, Saints, Lions. So you can think three wins. Three wins. Yeah. If they can sneak off one between the Bucks and the Saints, that puts them at nine and seven. Which might not be good enough. Yeah, it'll be close. And they're a team too. You put them in the playoffs. You know, we we you just went through how the NFC is up for grabs. They're another team. You put them in the playoffs. They could conceivably make it to the Super Bowl. They oh, have no, the I, talent, you know, they have don't the talent. Dis- I don't disagree with you. If I put them in the NFC playoff picture, like if I could drop them into the NFC playoffs, I would give them a better chance than a lot of the other teams there. Like if you've told me they've gone on a run to make the playoffs and they're playing the Seahawks, I'm, I would give the Vikings a very le- legitimate chance of being Seattle and Seattle. And then they lose by 20. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, you know, who knows with this team? But it's like a lot of them, you just don't know which version. They're almost, you know, there's 10 Jekyll and Hyde teams in this NFL season. And then the other one I want to cover, you slightly mentioned already with the Tennessee Titans. They're now eight and three, and they sit at third in the AFC standings with um, Pittsburgh undefeated. KC at 10 and one, then Titans at eight and three, Buffalo at eight and three, Browns at eight and three, Dolphins seven, four, Colts seven and four. So besides the Steelers and the Chiefs, are the Titans the clear third best team? Uh, I think so. I, I, I do think so. So I, <sighs> I think you could even argue, I mean, we've, we've discussed MVP odds at different times. There's a moment in which Henry has to become a serious contender for the MVP. He's not going to win it, right? Because non-quarterbacks almost never win it. But he's more essential to the Titans being an elite team in a way than Mahomes is to the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their remaining schedule, they have Browns, Jacksonville, Detroit, Green Bay, Houston. There is a scenario there that they end up going, what, 12 and 4? And he's going to lead the league in every rushing statistic. And as the season goes on, it usually seems that he picks up pace and other teams start to get tired. Like you saw, you know, this week he was just pounding through that team. There's a good chance he could be really in the running. Yeah, I mean, he's not right. Mahomes is now the overwhelming favorite, but he should be. Which Sunday, that was the only kind of saving grace in terms of quality on the Sunday was you had, he had a legitimate shot at one point of breaking the single game rushing record. You also had Tyreek Hill had a legitimate shot of 
breaking the single game receiving record and Mahomes had a legitimate shot at breaking the single game passing record. And now none of them did it, but those were the only <laughs> kind of standout positive performances in some respects. Yeah. I, th- I think they are. If they can just not have that one shit game that they have, they are a serious contender for being one of the few teams. I think that can challenge the chiefs and the Steelers. I, I mean, we're all high on Buffalo, but the more I watch the Bills, the more shaky they look. Yeah. And I don't no, know don't if look, I trust them. Yeah. I definitely don't trust. I think here's the thing is the advantage that the Titans have is they really know what team they are, which is unusual in the modern day NFL to know that they're a team where their running game is going to win it for them. Yeah. And you kind of have to commend them for the fact that they just, they know exactly who they are and what they're good at. And they're going to stick to that. Now, the downside is when you put them in a scenario in which their running game can't be the thing that wins in the game, which is a scenario in which they fall behind, then they're in trouble. But if you can tell me they can get out to a lead against the Chiefs, then they can control the clock. They can just run the ball. They're going to be able to run the ball all over the Chiefs. We know that. Yeah, It's just a question or not, can they score the 30 points necessary while running the ball that they're going to need to beat the Chiefs? Yeah. And then the other eight and three is the Browns. And I will stick to my story that I'm still not sold that they're they're eight and three and they're going to make the playoffs. But I don't think they're of the caliber of the other four out of the top five AFC teams. And we'll see. I mean, this is a, another great uh, litmus test. We'll see because they play the Titans next week. So we'll see what happens there. And that's that'll be a great determinant of, you know, who are the best eight and three teams and are they contenders or pretenders? Yeah, and the Browns over the last couple of games, I don't want to judge them too harshly because they've been missing Miles Garrett, and I think he's such an, a, an important cog in their defense. Like I think it's a game changer for them to have Miles Garrett involved. So I think they'll look very different when they have Miles Garrett there because it just it means they're more likely to shut teams down, to force turnovers, all sorts of things. So I think they're a different animal with with Miles Garrett in their defense. Um. I guess the one thing we're not going to touch on, right? Or we haven't touched on, but we probably should, is just how atrocious the Thanksgiving Day games were. I was actually going to skip it and then go right to Sam's commentary on his Thanksgiving dinner. His first as as uh, fully sitting in on an American Thanksgiving. Well, hopefully it was better. Whatever his feedback is, hopefully it was better than the football was because that was awful. I do have only one hot take on the Thanksgiving day games, which is that the fake punt that the Cowboys ran is not as bad of a fake punt as everyone is saying, because fundamentally the gunner who ran the sweep was supposed to then actually throw the ball. And he had a wide open receiver 20 yards downfield for a fairly even easy throw. I mean, a guy with no one within 20 yards of him. And if he'd just thrown the ball instead of just tucking it and running straight into an oncoming defender, they would have had a 40 yard play easily, potentially even a touchdown. So that's the only thing when afterwards, Mike McCarthy said that he actually thought it was a good play and people thought he was an idiot for saying that when you do look at it on tape, he's kind of justified. No, so the way I can argue that is you're right. The play itself wasn't a bad call, 
But my argument is I don't ever want teams to do the fake punt. My argument isn't so much that the play could have worked, but it didn't. It's not that the play didn't work. It's the fact that he said, hey, let's do a stupid trick play to try and catch a first down instead of putting our best chance. If we really wanted to keep the ball, let's give it our best effort with our top players instead of putting the ball in the hands of some what four string wide receiver to run a play he's never run before. Yeah, maybe they practiced it, but he's never run it in real life. So he has one shot. Frank, you're missing the point. He thought exactly what you just thought. And he assessed that giving the ball to their four string wide receiver was more likely to be successful than letting Andy Dalton attempt another pass. Hey, if, if that's what he truly thought, then, then I have no gripe with him in that case. But I just think the, the logistics of the fake punt, and we've watched it many times now this season, is not worth the risk. The reward is not worth it. So many times teams have gotten burnt and you can't argue that that didn't completely change the momentum of the game. Oh no, it went from, the game was over the second that over. happened. Now, and in, in a game, I think people forget because of how big the, the, like the gap, the, the win, the winning, the winning margin ended up being, it was a four point game at that point. Yep. So it wasn't like they needed to do, and with like 11 minutes left or whatever, they didn't need to do anything desperate. If they just punted the ball back, Washington wasn't moving the ball easily. There's every chance that they're just having the ball punted back to them. And they, you know, it's a one score game for the remainder of the fourth quarter, probably is what happens. Now, the thing I will say is whenever a team runs, whenever I want a, te- I want a team to win and they run a fake punt, or a fake field goal or something, it fails. When a team I don't want to win runs it, it's successful. And it's one of those plays that you're right, it was over the minute it failed. At the same time, I would have felt like it was over if they succeeded. As in, it's yeah. such a like backbreaking play either way that you're, it's kind of a thing, like as a head coach, you're basically being like, this play is going to determine the outcome of this game. Because if and we that's, get and- it, And that's my gripe with it is if that's the play you want, if you have to choose one play to determine the game, why is it the play where you put the ball in the hands of someone who never touches the ball? That's why I don't like that call. And that's why I hate the fake punts. (laughs) And the best, the best part about it was like, and it's, we've talked about this before. It's kind of the thing where coaches get in their head a little too much because he then argued, you know, someone said, why did you, you didn't have to fake punt. You were only down by four. And he, and his argument was, yeah, but that's exactly the reason we did go for it because no one would have suspected because we were only down by four. We didn't need to be desperate. It's like, no, you're getting in your head too much. Just punt the fucking ball, stop them because they're not a crazy good offense. It's not like you're playing the chiefs. You're playing Alex Smith who has one leg. He he has two legs. (laughs) Just but it's when the analysis of the event is so is so much based and yours in fairness you what you are saying is right and then it has nothing to do with the outcome but all too often it is determined how smart we think it is is determined purely on what the outcome is and it's like sean bait sean payton deciding to start the second half for the super bowl with an onside kick they recover it what a genius sean payton is in another universe they don't recover it Peyton Manning has the ball at midfield and everyone's like, Sean Payton is the worst head coach in history. He's just blown the Super Bowl with his second half kickoff. So like, it's one of those things where it's like, well, whatever happens is going to, am I smart or am I dumb? 
I don't know until I see what happens. Yeah, a lot Which of people leverage probably, that kind of stuff at uh, penalty shootouts as well. They, they do it at penalty shootouts, right? When people go down the middle and it's safe, they're like, oh, why do people go down the middle? Or if someone does like a, a dink or a chip or a panaker or something like that. It, it, like if someone like um, Pirlo does it, it's like, wow, what a genius, the confidence to do it when it goes in. If someone else does it and it doesn't happen, they're like, they're idiots, they're arrogant and that kind of thing. It's a real thin line. Um, but I agree yeah. with you actually about the outcome. Yeah, no. And look, proven track record also helps. So if Bill Belichick had done it, people probably think of it differently versus uh, Mike McCarthy, even though he is a Super Bowl winning coach, probably think of it a little bit differently. Um, but Thanksgiving also, right? It was the farewell game for uh, Matt Patricia. I thought you were going to say Will Fuller. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. But the farewell game for Matt Patricia, obviously, if the a mild Duca curse has struck both <laughs> two teams that preseason Frank was a big fan of in the Texans and the Lions, um, and both have subsequently lost their head coach and GM in the case of the Texans, that was the same guy in the case of the lions. It was not, but, uh, it is fair. Maybe to this say. is what the lions need. Now we, the lions nation are going to roar back from this. It's a tough one, right? Cause it's got to have a bunch of failed ex lions head coaches just kind of being like, you see, we're not, they weren't that good. It's like I got fired cause my team sucks, but my team sucks. Like, what was I supposed to do? Um, I kind of thought of that a little bit yesterday watching the Monday night game with, uh, obviously, Jim Schwartz as the defensive coordinator and thinking about his time with the Lions and kind of like, does he look back now and think, actually, I wasn't that, like, my Lions teams were actually, like, semi-competitive, so you guys should have given me a lot more credit. They were over 500, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he was part of them. Now he had some. Yeah, he had Megatron. Megatron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that was the other talking point, right? So before we move on to the Thanksgiving dinner assessment, to if you have to choose between Tyreek Hill and DK Metcalf, who do you take? Oof. Ah, oh, this this hurts on so like, I'd be very torn. I love, I don't like cockiness in players, but I love watching a little guy like Tyree Kill just fly by people and continue to give him the peace sign. He doesn't give a fuck if he gets penalized or not. I love it. I think it's amazing. Normally I wouldn't enjoy it, but him doing like backflips and stuff, it's just so enjoyable because he's like this little fast speed demon guy. It's great. But then the other side, I have DK Metcalf, who's an absolute freak. And I also respect that of like his like heavy into like the training regimen and just being like jacked and just pushing everyone out of the way. So I don't know. It's tough. I think, I think I'd rather have Metcalf because not only does he have the size that he can be so dominant, he also has the speed. I mean, he, I, I'm pretty sure he runs like a four, four. Yeah. I think he's more versatile fundamentally. Like, I think if you just had to say every NFL team, I think you put DK Metcalf on any team in the NFL and he's just a monster. 
Whereas you could tell me that Tyreek Hill could go to some teams and just, he'd be wide open on a ton of plays, but they just wouldn't be able to get the ball to him in the same way. And so it just wouldn't be as effective. And you're not just going to be able to hit him on like five yard slants over and over, which DK Metcalf, you'd just be able to do. Yeah. Watching that game yesterday was fun though, because you see there was one play where he just blew by the cornerback. And as he's running by him, it's as if he's running by a child. The cornerback like barely comes up to his shoulders and there's this monster of a man just flying by him. He's yeah, he's interesting. And I will say I have had now the full calf Metcalf coffee and it's very good. <laughs> okay. You're going to, you're going to have to get the Tyreek Hill coffee and then we'll compare. <laughs> I did like the story. I don't know if you heard it, but they were talking about how Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf went on holiday together. Did you hear that? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> no, that was so that? good. Like the, the two of them went on holiday together. And when they arrived, Russell Wilson obviously had planned on like working out when he was on holiday. So he said to like DK, I can't, I think he said, did you bring your gloves? I think is what cleats, he asked him. Cleats. cleats. And DK Metcalf was like, I brought my helmet. <laughs> it was just... <laughs> Yeah, I think I also think Wilson was like kind of half joking, like, "Hey, did you bring your yeah. cleats? We'll get we'll get a workout in." He's like, "I brought my helmet." <laughs> yeah, um, and I also now the one talking point in a little bit from that game was DK Metcalf felt like uh, slightly offended by the fact that Jim Schwartz uh, post game, I believe it was, it was unclear to me yeah. whether it's pre pre game or post game. So it was both. So pre game, uh, Schwartz had went up to him because we just said you know he was with Megatron. He had told him that he's not quite to Megatron's level yet. But when they asked Schwartz about this, he said he genuinely meant it as a compliment. And he wasn't dissing him and being like, hey, man, you're not Megatron yet. He basically was saying like, hey, listen, you're doing great. You're not quite there yet, but you are you are getting there. Like you are going to be one of the most dominant players in the NFL. And His, the explanation I heard from him was that he said to him, I coached Megatron yep. and you're the closest thing I've seen to him, but you're not there yet. Yeah. So it's a huge compliment, but also yes. saying, which also he's in his second year. So it's also like a very reasonable. Yeah, he point. isn't. Yeah. He isn't there yet. Yeah. And then even after the game, he then basically said the same thing to him again, being like, you know, you're an extremely dominant player. Like you, you have the potential to get there. Like you have the potential to be quite arguably the, most dominant wide receiver of all time you know maybe not the greatest but dominance for those two three years i mean there was no one else more dominant and metcalf took that as an insult and they it's been suggested that's why he played so well i think he had what 180 yards receiving because he was motivated by the diss and I, i don't know yeah, and he he said as much, right, in some post-game comments. And look, whatever gets you fired up. I mean, he's been having a great season, so I don't know if necessarily you could attribute, like, this good performance because he's had tons of good performances and he's not had uh, defensive coordinators compare him to all-time greats in, like, before every game. Singly. Yeah, but at the same time, it seems like a really fair comment. I think I feel like the headlines were, like, very unfair where they they just spun it as, like, Jim Schwartz tells DK Metcalf he's not as good as Megatron. Like that was the headline in a lot of places. Yeah, it was clickbait. Yeah, but it's it was seemed like a really fair assessment and and like overall like a very a huge compliment to pay to a second year wide receiver. Yeah. So okay. We're also, before we get to Sam's Thanksgiving, I have one more wide receiver update. 
And that's from the land of OBJ's Instagram because he posted a picture up today of him on a bench doing like a workout. And he said, I'ma be honest, dot, dot, dot. I've been through hell these last couple of years and I just keeping it pushing, dot, dot, dot. This shit ain't for everybody. Now, my question is, do you think he's doing that purposely? Yes. Are you sure? Do you think he I, has the, the I or do think you think he he's just kind of that dumb that he doesn't realize it? I think either he's doing it on purpose or I don't think that it's his dumb. I think that he, he doesn't care about the people commenting or about the story itself. And so he's just happy to speak as he would normally would do. But I think he's either, I don't think it's because he's uh, like, doesn't, he's in no, I don't think it's because he's an idiot and he doesn't know that by mentioning shit, people are going to continue to comment on all his Instagram posts with references to him having someone take a dump on his face. (laughs) (laughs) So elegant. I love it. How many comments? Oh, it's got over, over 1500 comments. Oh God. (laughs) I mean, should we just dedicate the next podcast just to reading off 1500 comments of OBJ's Instagram? No, how many are are from you, Frank? None are from me yet. And actually, and, and we are wrong in what we predicted before. There aren't as many shit ones as there were in the beginning. It's kind of slowed down. There's a lot of like 100%, you're the goat, God be with you. There is an occasional like, so that's why you're taking them on the chest. Like, <laughs> I, love gotta how be- this is, I love how this is mixed up with religion as well. Like someone's like, you know, God, and it's like someone, oh, take a dump on your chest. But in a way, that's what you have to give him credit for, because whether he meant to or not, by kind of like steering in into the slide, he's managed to just def- like disarm all of the people who are posting. It's like, okay, guys, it's boring now. I'm going to keep posting. I'm going to keep giving you things to use. It's super easy. Maybe the first time it was funny. Maybe the second time it was funny. But now you're all just sad losers, and I'm a millionaire living a great life. So yeah. whatever. I mean, and it's the other thing is I just love sometimes going through and seeing when people post extremely random things on celebrities stuff just to get it. So it's like, you got this champ, stay solid champ, uh, muscle emoji, goat emoji, blah, blah, blah. My step my stepsister got drunk and insisted on sleeping with me. What should I do? <laughs> next one potential to be one of the greatest (laughs) (laughs) those those two are linked Uh, that's funny but yeah there was a lot of there's a decent amount of shit ones the other thing though is the i've been through hell these last couple of years he's on a five-year 90 million contract that must be a very beautiful portrayal of hell (laughs) It's all relative, right? No. <laughs> There's no shit in hell. So, so now that we've gotten the shit jokes out of the way, Sam, how was Thanksgiving? Give us your plate. Give us your side by side assessment. Using a scale of one to five poop emojis. 
All right. So, I mean, there's a lot of similarities with a Christmas dinner, right? <laughs> like, so I'm the turkey. Wait, if I like it, is it still a poop emoji? Yeah, it's five poop emoji. Five poop emojis is a perfect score. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> someone would say that that actually means that it went through your body poorly and you needed five poop emojis to clear that. <laughs> anyway, I'll go with the turkey. Turkey was great. I can't really fault her a turkey, right? Well, it could Corn. be dry. Yeah, okay. I argue, oh, so, I, okay, I, so we're analyzing the meal quality itself. Yes, and then Both your friends have to listen to this. Yeah. And then, I want you to rip on your friends cooking. Oh, I can't. It was great. <laughs> turkey, great. Everything about it, really good. Dark How did they prepare meat. the turkey? Was it Senate roasted coffee. or deep fried or? <laughs> deep fried. You're not going to get a deep fried turkey here. So it should was, we bring it, it to Paris? Nice. Should I bring a deep fryer next time? Wait, sure. you deep fry a whole. Some people bird. do. In the South, yeah. a lot of people deep fry their turkey, yeah. Oh my God. And there's a great Baker Mayfield progressive commercial with him deep frying a turkey in the stadium. Another you, classic. Do you just put it in like a giant chip fryer kind of thing? Like a giant, down. giant no, it's vat of... Of oil. You take yeah. like, a big pe- like a big pot, just like a stainless steel pot, put a ton of oil in to the right temperature and just drop it in for like, I think it's like an hour. Is that what the pilgrims did? <laughs> yep, except it was... <laughs> It was. I'm not gonna go. (laughs) Please put it. What was it? It was was a special type of oil harvested from a special type of of human. Okay, I knew that's where it was going. (laughs) You know how they make soap. Um, Corn is good. Fundamentally, it was just corn. It wasn't cream corn or anything like that. Just corn. So that was good. Give that one. I'm not a huge fan of corn. Ultimately, I, I, I don't fundamentally agree with the idea that your body doesn't digest it properly. <laughs> so. Well, that's it's dangerous given your lifestyle, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, <laughs> then, okay, let's go to the green bean casserole. Okay. That was really good. Now, did it have the frizzy onions on top? Yes. Fried onions. Nice. Frizzy. Is that, is that what you would call them? Frizzy. As in, well, here's you the could. thing is, like had, they fri- had they fried the onions or had they done like store-bought? No, there was a store-bought specific brand. No, that's that better. Like really that's, well that's known, the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're way more crunchy. Yeah. Um, his mom actually sent them in from the US. Oh, nice. that's specific. That's a little yeah. extreme. Oh, they're, they're the French's ones then. I know um, which ones she said. It was, it was like a white... <laughs> It was like a white container. Um, Eddie, I, I, the only link here is you used to get Nesquik out of them, you know, the hot chocolate powder in that yeah. kind of type of cup that was like, okay, yeah. I, I don't know. It looked <laughs> like that basically, but it was fried onions. I was very surprised at my milkshake. <laughs> um, but that was really good. The problem is it didn't really, it, like the mushroom sauce thing with it was really good. The green beans, fried onions, it was just all really good. So I'd give that one like, five that was really good wow now no. the sweet potato casserole i okay. now like, describe it to us though was it marshmallows on top or like pecans and uh like a streusel what was it was it, it was just the marshmallows but it was the american marshmallows so they were the little ones 
um, because that really Wait, are those American marshmallows. Yeah, we have it, big it, size marshmallows too. <laughs> but you don't get the little ones. I don't know. Like, I think there's a do. difference here. I mean, I think marshmallows fundamentally are kind of an American thing anyway, in terms of their prevalence in American society versus elsewhere. Um, <laughs> but not that it's, not, no, no, it's not like people are walking down the street eating bags oh, of marshmallows. They, are. <laughs> they, are. they might look like they are. <laughs> Here's the thing with sweet potato casserole, right? It's really good. It's it's really good casserole. I, it's not a casserole. <laughs> it's just sweet potatoes, <laughs> sugar, and marshmallows on top. But I don't get it because that's a dessert. But then you have pumpkin pie. So you have pumpkin as a dessert. When do you think that should be in the main? Oh, this is the start you of have... your. This is the start of your Seinfeld-esque uh, stand-up routine. <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with pumpkin pie? <laughs> it's not pumpkin, but it's a dessert. <laughs> the thing is, on its own, really nice. Like it. Give it four. But it does not make sense on a plate with like green beans, turkey, mashed potatoes. It makes no sense. I don't it, get it. It is it is sweet. I'll give you that. So Carissa did oh. it was only two of us, but she did half and half, where half was marshmallow top and the other half was like a pecan streusel. That one I thought was better because it was like a little crunchy, but it was even sweeter than just the marshmallows. So it was almost the point where it was like. The texture was great, but it was so sweet that it practically was a dessert. Like this, when I had leftovers the following day, I ate it at the end as a dessert because that's how sweet it was. But it's, yeah, I agree with you. It's really good, but it's like you question yourself as to why you're eating this next to a salty, savory turkey and green bean casserole. Yeah. Well, what else? Having... What else did you have that you'd never had before? Because obviously stuffing and mashed potatoes or whatever you're very familiar wait, with. Wait, wait, I'm interested in the type of stuffing that they have, because some Americans love like the box stuffing versus an actual no, no, homemade they, stuffing. They made it, so they had like the okay. onion and the, the mix and all that kind of stuff, so they made it. There was no meat in it then. It wasn't like a meat stuffing. It was just Terrible. good stuffing. That's disappointing. It was really good though. Mashed potato was good. Um, so the dessert was pecan and pumpkin pie. So not together, there was pecan pie yeah. and pumpkin pie. Both really good. Give them. I love pecan pie. Four. The pumpkin, I don't get. Again, it, it feels it, it's not a dessert taste, and it, it it didn't sit right with me. Swap them. Swap the sweet potato casserole. I could legitimately say sweet potato with the sugar and the other stuff in it and a marshmallow. Legitimately, is weird, but it makes sense as a dessert. Pumpkin. Did they pie? make their own pies? Yeah. Nice. Uh, really good. It was it was really nice. good. Um, I don't. I'm trying to think. I mean, cranberry sauce was made. It wasn't out of a can, so the contention uh -oh. was gone. FYI, I asked them. So th for for the listeners, they're from Ohio. So I'm oh, of the understanding. Ohio. I'm of the understanding <laughs> that they are a traditional. <laughs> it's terrible. I hate it. I'm of the opinion that they're like a traditional sort of Thanksgiving. And they said that it's a condiment. So they so, so they put it on their turkey when they eat. Yeah, that was the idea. That's what yeah, they said. They use it as yeah. like a sauce, actual sauce, yeah. as yes. in the name cranberry sauce. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing is, I so I went to Reddit with that question. We had feedback from some listeners. It was mixed. Some said it's a side. Some said condiment. We went to Reddit. 
again, results very, very mixed. <laughs> Some people listed it as a, I went to Reddit and asked them what's their favorite Thanksgiving side and is cranberry sauce a side? Some people said the cranberry sauce is a side and it's their favorite side. But the overall winner. <laughs> those, now the, those people are serial killers. <laughs> the people, the most popular answer to favorite Thanksgiving side was uh, stuffing. Unoriginal, our winner in our little bracket. Um, but it was the overwhelming choice. Some people, pretty boring. Um, <laughs> one guy just gravy. <laughs> Just <laughs> Wait, one could argue though, could you eat Thanksgiving dinner without gravy? Could you eat but the turkey without gravy? It's yeah. not, I mean, I don't it's just not a side. It's yeah. like, it's, it's a sauce for like You've got like a solid amount of like not of that consistency to like kind of accommodate, right? You've got the cranberry sauce, you've got the sweet potato casserole which is basically just a mush. You've got <laughs> a little bit of gravy on a mashed potato. Like there's a lot of like whipped consistencies going on there. <laughs> like, yeah, a lot, lot of whipped mouthfeel. It, it's, it's not like the <laughs> stuffing is just drywall. <laughs> the, the interesting thing too is in, in trying to get these questions, I had to go to various subreddits at different moments over the history of this podcast. And it's always interesting diving into a new subreddit because of the sort of culture of that, of each subreddit is different. I had to dive into the cooking sub and recipes subreddit for this time, this time around. And it's nice because people's answers were just so genuine. You can tell it's the type of person who goes on the internet to contribute recipes and like evaluate other people's recipes. It's all just like very kind and very nice. And this enthusiasm from people was also pretty overwhelming. So <laughs> one person wrote sweet potatoes, exclamation mark. I made a mediocre batch last year and I can't wait for redemption this year. <laughs> Like, I love she that. hasn't been able to do sweet potatoes the entire year. Did she know, he or she has been waiting all year for, for her second chance. I, I can just picture shot. the family. The family's just been ripping into them the entire year. Like, hey, remember when you botched Thanksgiving with that shit sweet potato casserole you gave us? <laughs> And so one person, the, one, one person, just the final one. So there's a lot of one word answers. One person wrote cream corn with an exclamation mark, which is an interesting reaction. Um, but one person wrote, I know it's not the most extravagant thing on most people's plate, but it's something I generally only eat once a year. And that is cranberry sauce. There's just something about those flavors going together, mashed potatoes with the roll slash biscuit, vegetables and turkey. But when you add the cranberry to create, it creates an enigma that is so delicious that can only be described through tastes. I think if someone is trying to put together your traditional Thanksgiving meal, cranberry sauce is a requirement. Okay, now you got wow. Shakespeare here saying like enigma. <laughs> Tell that person that we want to put them on the Soup Juice podcast interview. <laughs> yeah, better than, and we also got to learn stuffing. My sister-in-law made a potato cheese casserole once, though, so that moved to my number one spot. <laughs> potato cheese. Like potatoes au gratin? <laughs> Just says potato cheese casserole. Oh. oh, somehow that's surprising as a concept. <laughs> like, But not the sweet potato casserole. <laughs> but one person said, dressing slash stuffing. I mean, I don't even know why we're talking about it. Cranberry sauce is not a side. It's a condiment like gravy. 
And the final little bit of feedback I got from someone called just a slothy giraffe <laughs> said, <laughs> said, wait, wait, a what? Just a slothy giraffe. I actually th- thought I had slothy, heard like slow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought I heard sloppy. It would have been, which is just, that's just a Reddit generated username, right? Like that's how they do. They do like, uh, but anyway, wrote, so just a slothy giraffe wrote, not participating in Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for taking your time out of the day for that one the, those are the people you gotta love when they have to make a comment on a post about like hating the post <laughs> so they take their time out of the way to like disregard the post <laughs> now i will say this i ha- so my final like reddit comment i've had to die as i said dive into several subreddits and as a joke, a, a conversation that went on in the weekly quiz, Zoom quiz that we're having on Saturdays a couple of weeks ago, got into this discussion as to, we won't dive into it in any detail, but as to whether or not uh, semen would cons- be considered uh, acceptable to be consumed by vegans. This somehow came up as a topic. And like, we posted, oh, hell of a subreddit, hell of a subreddit. Posted it on a vegan That is sub- not a subreddit that I want to explore. <laughs> we posted it on a vegan subreddit and got some very genuine answers from people. It was a legitimate debate. Meanwhile, I tried to post this thing about favorite Thanksgiving sides on the NFL subreddit. I got banned. <laughs> 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 so it is fine for me to go onto some and ask people if it's fine to consume semen on a vegan subreddit. That's okay. But if I go on the NFL subreddit and say, what's your favorite Thanksgiving side? The NFL stomps me out. Did they give you a reason? <laughs> uh, inappropriate comment was what I received. And it was legitimately like, hey, Thanksgiving's upon us. Uh, what's your favorite Thanksgiving side? What's your must have? And is cranberry sauce a side? Like something did you type? Did lines. you type it in that voice? Yes. <laughs> Maybe that's why they, I do voice they, the text. They thought you were like a game show host. <laughs> yeah. But I, just to round off my Thanksgiving story, because I had the pleasure of Vasilis's company for Thanksgiving. So for those yeah. who are just joining in, Vasilis is a reoccurring character on this podcast. Yeah, no other way to describe him as character who source of somehow finds his way into Eddie's life week in and week out and provides the most hilarious content. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know Vasilis either, which will be the vast majority of you, um, and I hate this, if Vasilis is listening, which I don't think he does, he should switch off now because what I'm about to say might upset him slightly. Um, Vasilis, over the course of the last 10 years, has developed very various dietary uh intolerances and requirements he had his different moments has had gluten intolerances and then not had them he's been lactose intolerant and then not been at the moment he is both gluten intolerant and lactose intolerant oh jeez! he came over for thanksgiving he brought gluten-free bread to eat with the cheese but then proceeded to consume what i would say was a pound and a half of stuffing <laughs> which <laughs> Obviously, unbeknownst to him, <laughs> contains non-gluten-free bread. <laughs> and, 
Oh, and, and not only was he, I mean, he ate so much of it. It was just unbelievable. He ate so much of it and he loved it. He, re- he repeatedly asked me, he was like, you have, I have to come over to your house again so you can show me how to make stuffing. This is this. He said to me several times. And then at one moment too, when he went back for leftovers, he just picked up, he cut a piece of stuffing and he just picked it up. Like it was a slice of pizza and then just started <laughs> biting into the stuffing in his hand. And he seemingly has suffered no ill consequences to the fact that he ate probably half a loaf of white bread um, over the course of the evening. So I was already skeptical about his gluten intolerance. I am now fully a fully non-believer in his uh, gluten issues. Wait, but how do you know? Did he have issues after? Yeah, he would have told Imagine if it was a he would horrible have told... tolerance. Oh, Vasilis tells. Trust me, he's he he's always one to share details. I would have known if he'd been suffering the next day, because what he would have done is asked me what had gluten in it, because he always does that. Sometimes when he ha- eats something, and then the next day he's like, "Which what had dairy? What had gluten?" And he would have wanted to know what it was that had upset his stomach. Um, so so. Um, and then the other thing that came about, cause we were talking about his love life, which has obviously been a topic of discussion on this podcast before. And he said, <laughs> he said, you know, I've been rewatching how I met your mother and I've realized that I'm Ted. Cause he thinks he's like, he was like, I'm a really genuine guy and I really like people and I meet some good girls, but then They've always got things like they've got crazy eyes or they've got something weird about them. Or when I really like them, they stop liking me. Or when I, when they start <laughs> liking me, I stop liking them. So he was like, but one thing I'm going to re- live my life by is I'm always going to watch out for girls with crazy eyes. And he's fundamentally accepted that how I met your mother is going to determine his approach to the dating world for the next couple of years. I thought he was going to say he's Barney, <laughs> but, but, but not Barney, the character, Barney, the true love actor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> guys, I've realized it. I've been watching how I met your mother and I think I'm gay. I think I'm Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> but now that was my uh, Thanksgiving experience with Vasilis. He then spent some time trying to get Sky Sports NFL's coverage to include one of our tweets or Instagram posts. He really wanted to see himself appear on the screen with having tweeted out a picture of what we were eating. Uh, sadly, Did it work? failed. No, because uh. here's the thing. And interestingly enough, they were basically roasting people's uh, meals. So the only thing that ever got shown was when it was awful. Yeah. And which I kind of get occasionally, but fundamentally, I guess they realized that that was kind of more interesting content from, from their perspective. Like it was hard to be like, well, that, yeah, that looks really nice. Like there's only so much you can say, whereas all three of them could say something when they were like, I would not eat that. That is awful. That's terrible. They pulled the Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> not far off. I mean, I think Vince Young might've been seriously, he, who is part of the Sky Sports NFL coverage at the moment, must've been seriously... <laughs> questioning where he was at times as he was sitting there on Thanksgiving and in the midst of in like in the middle of a game when they could have been doing actual analysis of what was going on he instead was looking at someone who decided to stick turkey and cheese on New Yorkshire pudding and call it a turkey pizza (laughs) (laughs) wait that's a is that a thing that was one that was one of them yeah 
I mean, someone had made someone had made like a turkey curry, and it looked just. Curries are hard to take pictures of and have them look nice. Like curries really never nice. look good in a picture. It just looks like someone's been sick on a plate. Like it looks like diarrhea or sick. Yeah. It's very hard to address that. It actually yeah, looks it, like a combo, as if they shit themselves <laughs> while throwing up. <laughs> but even by even by curry standards, even approaching it with this knowledge that it's very hard to take an attractive picture of a curry, uh, this looked terrible. And speaking of curry. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Under Armour has lost forks. Yeah, absolute forks and curries. Under Armour has launched a curry brand, you know, kind of spin on what Nike did with the Jordan brand. So for Steph Curry, where he will have his own uh, signature line of shoes and clothing and everything. Now they are calling it the curry brand and... I know he can't do anything about his name, and I'm not saying it's a bad name, but it is weird to me to just call it Curry Brand. Because it's just, I, I even, no matter how good Steph Curry is as a player, it's hard for me not to think of the food and just to yeah. think Curry Brand is like some line of spices. <laughs> yeah, couldn't they have done like more of a spin with his full name or something? Yeah, you had even to the Steph, like Steph. The Steph brand might be better. Yeah. That's kind of weird. I did see that though. So I All guess right. that pretty much wraps it up. Yeah. So if you haven't already listened, make sure you listen to our recent interview with Thomas Gronemark. It was, I thought it was really interesting. And oh, actually, that's something I had. So he was talking about um, becoming a bobsledder and how he went from being a sprinter and transitioned into it. Um, so one of the people I know who was at the Olympic training center was around at the time that like Lolo Jones was recruited to be a, uh, a bobsledder. And he said that that could have been my claim to fame. He thinks I would have made a very good bobsledder because <laughs> he said, I have like all the attributes that they look for because when they do the testing, it's like they do a, a, a 20, 30 meter sprint. They do uh, like a lot of, power like squat deadlift but then they also do like power cleans and snatch things like that and these were all things that i like on a measurement level like was off the charts but i just could never compete when i threw <laughs> there it was. i was not a good competitor <laughs> I, was, I was like how long will it take before he massively inflates his own ego and you were like oh yeah you know like statistically speaking off the, off the charts. rails <laughs> off the charts off the charts. They, they didn't even, I didn't register at first. They didn't even know. Was I good? Was I bad? I, I wasn't on the charts. The, the machine that we actually <laughs> analyzed it exploded broke. when yeah, it was analyzing new, the data. They had to build a new machine. The Duke. We used to do like this explosive testing. And one of the things was a back overhead shot put throw. So you would stand on the edge of the ring and take the shot put and throw it as far back as you can. My distances were literally off the charts. They had to go and get like a new chart because my distance was so far they had to get wait, the points from it i mean what wait, wait, wait. but what you what you mean it was like off the, i mean it's not like you threw it out of town no no so <laughs> so like the so printout like the printout had like distances and then it like stopped at a certain distance and mine was still like a good two or three feet further from the last distance they even had well, too, I'll say this, Frank. It's it's not too late, right? You could still go for it's it. It's too late. It's not. 
It's not. It, we could we could make a whole podcast about it, about mm. your pursuit. We could call it a uh, fool runnings, and we could. Uh, <laughs> no, because after listening to him admit how scary it was, I want nothing to do with getting in a bobsled. <laughs> Wait, were you hoping he was? So if he'd said it wasn't scary, it it's it's overhyped. It's really straightforward. You would have been like, you know what? I'm gonna give this a spin. Yep. I was in. I if he would have said no, I would have said, "Can you can you get me a tryout?" I'm I'm just concerned about the applicability of the Duke of Curse with bobsledding. Like people will oh, die. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I don't know if it like it doesn't Duke a curse his own well being, right? So it would have to be like team members going down, but then it would just be gruesome. Well, he's ruined Arsenal's season, so that's another Duke of Curse. <laughs> yeah, we forgot. For any listeners will remember several weeks ago, uh, Frank bought a pair of Arsenal Adidas Ultra Boost. Yeah. And uh, since they've arrived, I'm not sure if Arsenal have won a match. I don't (laughs) No, that's bullshit. They actually won two or three in a row when I first put them on. (laughs) It just took so basically the time it took you to break them in at that moment, the shoes realized they were associated with Frank Duca. And that's when the curse took effect. I guess on that note, I'll let Frank say goodbye first because that's how it works. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk to you boys later. See ya. Cheerio. Cheerio.